0: morning i bring you greetings from our church in jackson mississippi it is a pleasure a great joy to be with you again Uh, and for me it's always amazing to think that uh, god's word is true and god's plans are fulfilled and right when we are about to read god's word and to meditate on it just think about this fact because it is a fact that A guy from Lisbon, Portugal, will be preached on a base of an episode that happened in Israel uh, 2,000 years ago, more or less, to people in Monroe, Louisiana. (laughs) So this means that God's words are true and they are fulfilled. And so think and ponder about this because... So that you might believe God's word while we read it, because the fact is us here united and worshiping God together. But before we open our Bibles and we read them, and because it's God's own very words, let's go to him in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are gathered together solely because of you. You are the reason of our gathering. You are the reason of our worship You are the reason of our joy, and you are the reason of our hope. Father, when we are about to read and to meditate on your word, we know that we need your help. We need the illumination of the Holy Spirit so that we might have eyes to see and ears to hear. Oh, Father, protect me from error. Use my own weakness and that the word might be preached faithfully. And that hearts might be ready to receive it, not only to understand it intellectually, but also hearts ready to obey for our own joy and for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please open your Bibles in the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read from verses 16 to 20 although we will focus mainly on verses 18 to 20. Matthew twenty-eight sixteen to 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. This is the reading of the inspired, infallible, and inerrant Word of God. You see, this is probably uh, the most common and the most used biblical passage every time someone wants to speak or think or study about evangelization or missions. And there is a reason for this emphasis, because this passage presented us the resurrected Jesus after he finished what he had to do on this earth, on his earthly minister ministry, and now he is ready to ascend to heaven, to sit on his throne, and he is about to bid farewell to his disciples. So these are the last recorded words of Jesus to his followers, to his disciples. And Jesus could have said many things, But he decided to say exactly these things. Jesus decided to commission them and to send them. But one of the things that I want you to be aware and to follow little by little with me in this passage is that Jesus' final words are not just the command itself. The command is very, very important But if you do not have in your minds the context of the command that Jesus gives them, you might even eventually miss the command itself altogether. Because when Jesus speaks, he does not only tells them, go to all nations. He actually says, more than that. And I would risk that the context of the command is as important as the command itself and you forget if you forget that context you can even forget the command itself there is work to do jesus did all that we needed but now when jesus is ready to ascend to heaven and commissions his disciples he knows and they know that the full effects of his ministry were still to be felt and Part of those effects are us gathered together here. So I want you to understand that the context of Jesus' command is of utmost importance. I want you to be aware that this particular passage is the conclusion of a whole book, 28 chapters. You see, this, this passage is not given out of the blue, but is in a context. And at the same time, let's uh, pay close attention To everything that Jesus says. So I want to invite you to ponder four things. In Jesus' words. The foundation of the command. The command itself. The promise. And the goal. These four simple things. Let's spend probably most of our time on the first one. The foundation. See verse 18. Jesus says... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And note how verse 19 starts. And translations defer here. But either the first word or the second word, you will find this conjunction. Therefore. Therefore you go. What Jesus is saying here, you need to understand what I said before. On verse 18, because verse 18 is the foundation and is the reason that allows you and allows me to send you to the nations. So if you don't understand the reason, you will not understand the command itself. So Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You see, if you use the illustration of a house, verse 18 is the foundation of the house itself. Is where the house is built upon, is the rock where it stands. A house without a foundation is not a strong house. So in the same way, I want you to think that all the mission work of the church must rely its foundation on what Jesus says on verse 18. First, I want you to keep in mind that the central theme of Matthew's gospel is fulfillment. You go back to chapter 1, and Matthew starts immediately. That's Matthew's main purpose, wants to convince or remind his hearers or readers that Jesus is God's promised Messiah. Matthew is arguing that Jesus is the one sent by God, the one that God had promised Matthew desires the readers to be convinced or to be reminded that God's promises had been fulfilled in that man, Jesus, who is now the king of all things, over all things, and before whom all should bow their knees. That, this is Matthew's main purpose. However, at the same time, Matthew also wants us to note a contrast between the reality, Jesus is king. Jesus is presented before the disciples, resurrected. The same disciples that have seen uh, their Lord, their master being crucified some days before. He is now, before them, resurrected. It's a reality. It is a fact. However, there is a contrast. Because there is a contrast between what is real And what people think about that same reality. And particularly in this situation, the disciples. Because you see, we take Jesus' resurrection and kingship for granted. We believe in it. We proclaim it. We look it, in some sense, in hindsight. We look to the past. We read it from a text. And we believe in it. But have this in your minds. The disciples did not. The disciples were living this situation on the spot. They were trying to make sense of things. They might make sense to you now, but think about the disciples at that moment and how they were full of doubts. Actually, that's exactly what verse 17 says. See this, because it, it's even a paradox, a contrast, a tension in the text itself and in those people before King Jesus. Verse 17 says, And when they saw Him, they worshipped, but some doubted. You see, Matthew is presenting us this mix of worship and doubt at the same time. You see, for us, the resurrection is a time of celebration and joy. But in the first Easter, around 2,000 years ago... That was not exactly like that. Because the disciples were still trying to make sense of what they were living. If you remember some months ago, Pastor Jonathan preached on the famous episode of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Right? Do you remember all the mixed emotions that were present there? There was sadness and surprise and doubt and joy. They were all mixed together. And Matthew is saying the same thing. There was worship, but also doubt. And we see this context in the gospel as a whole. Because if you read the gospel, you will see the expression, Jesus himself saying, you of little faith, is repeated four times in this gospel. And there is doubt. People don't know what to think. There is a contrast between the reality and what people think about the same reality. They are before Jesus, the King Himself, the resurrected Lord, but there is still doubt. You see, some weeks before Jesus' ascension, when Jesus was in prison, those same disciples were scattered. They fled away. If you go back to chapter 26, verse uh, 56, we read, All the disciples left him and fled. You come to the time of resurrection on chapter 28, and we see the women going to the tomb and the angel appearing to them. How were they? They were afraid. And when they go and Jesus himself appears, how did they react? Jesus needs to tell them, Don't be afraid. Why? Because there is a contrast between the reality and how people are perceiving reality. There is a contrast and there is a tension. So I want you to picture it in your minds. Because the human nature is doubtful. In Matthew's gospel, there is lack of faith from everywhere. Even from Jesus' closest ones. Jesus had died in front of all people. He resurrected, He appeared to some, He was going to ascend. And the eleven, the very ones that some days before left Him, are given a command to reach the nations. And at the same time, if you read Matthew's Gospel and the context, all seems against them. People are plotting against them to cover Jesus' resurrection the same power, the same powerful people who crucified Jesus were going to be now against the disciples. So the legitimate question one can raise is, are these disciples who will start a movement which is to be extended to all nations in the world? Are these very disciples? Picture it in your mind and ask these questions. Please make an effort to put yourself in the disciples' shoes. In that particular situation, it seems a joke, doesn't it? Really, those guys are going to lead a movement to reach the nations. Are you kidding me? Humanly speaking, makes no sense. Those people are not ready for that. They are not prepared. They are not strong. They are cowards. They are a bunch of cowards that left... Their own master, when he most needed it. And are these the men that Jesus himself is telling to go and reach the nations? There is a tension here. But now, remember the first words I told you today. At the same time, after 2,000 years, imagine the present extent of Christianity. Christianity. Answer to these questions. Was and is the gospel being preached to all nations? Were the disciples successful in preaching the gospel? Were they stopped by circumstances? Were those powerful Jewish people able to stop them? Although they did try. Read the book of Acts. Were they bold enough to proclaim the gospel? And you will answer all these questions with a resounding yes. But the question is... How? And why? And you come back to verse 18. How is it possible that against all odds, Christ's name was and is being preached to all nations? And Jesus gives that answer. Because it was and is the very power and authority of God at work in them and in the church today. Because as Jesus said... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It is King Jesus who has authority over all things that sends the disciples and sends us today. And the reason why I say this is that we tend to look too much to ourselves. And evaluate things on the basis of what we are able or not able to do. But that's not what Jesus did with the disciples. You go therefore, and the therefore means because all authority was given to me, and I am the king of all things, therefore you go. You see, the apostles were fully aware of this throughout their lives. Remember what Paul said to the Corinthians. My speech and my message was not in plausible words of wisdom. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man. But in the power of God. It was the very power of God. Not the power of those uh, weak disciples. That made the gospel multiply and fruitify like Paul says to the Colossians through all the world and to all nations and you are a witness of that because if you are here today it's because this command was fulfilled and it was fulfilled in God's own power so just as the disciples we must heed Jesus encouragement and comfort to us you see in our weakness we will fail Jesus as the disciples, just as the disciples, we also need to wait for the power to come from high. So that we might be able to fulfill the mission that is given to us. It's not about us. It's about King Jesus himself. You see, that is why some see this passage more than just a command. And it is more than just a command. In that context was encouragement, was comfort. Because those disciples who were doubtful, who were afraid, and were seeing now their Lord go to heaven, and might eventually think, what about now? Jesus is telling them, don't worry. It's about me and my power, not about you. You are safe because you stand in me, not because you stand in you. Jesus was telling their disciples to trust in him, to trust in his own power. And that's what Jesus continues to tell us today. Go, because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Number two, and as I told you, do not worry. I promise that this was the biggest one. (laughs) Number two, the command. Let me make is the part that you probably know better. So let me make just... Four quick notes. The command to go and make disciples of all nations. First, they are not only sent as they were throughout Jesus' ministry on earth. They are not sent only to the Jews. And if you have any doubt, you can just go back to Sunday school where we were just talking and learning about this fact. This command is given to reach all nations. And I'll say the obvious again. To all nations means you. Because unless you are a descendant from a Jew, you are part of Gentiles. So you were included because someone fulfilled this very command. So let's put things this way, that mission, missions is also a thankful reply of what so many throughout history have done so that one time, The message of the gospel also came to us. Despising missions is despising ourselves. And the work that God did among ourselves. You see, the fact that the gospel came from Palestine on the other side of the world. And at some point reached Monroe, Louisiana. And most of you here. It's because this command was fulfilled by someone and by many throughout history. Missions is also a thankful reply for what we perceive was done in our life through the life of others. Second, note that the command is not something new in God's plans. And this is important. One of the encouragements that you need to take is that when Jesus says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, Jesus was not coming up with something new. In God's mind actually Jesus was the one that could fully fulfill and actually fulfill the mission that was the very purpose of God given to Adam and Eve because if you go back to Genesis 128 you know that God blessed them and said be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it And have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the heavens. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. Was the plan to reach the whole earth there? Oh yes. Sin has entered. But the one who can fully accomplish this. Is Jesus himself. King Jesus. The third note is this. Note that Jesus' command is one. Go and make disciples. However... Is accomplished in a twofold way. Can you realize that? Jesus is saying this go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And then he tells, How is that to be done? In two ways baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is one. Two, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I would say that usually this text is restrained to what we call missions. But it's much more than that. Because God's plan in our lives and in the lives of people is more than just calling them to faith. That is to transform all of us in the image of the Son. Keep this in mind. So on the one hand, we are to preach the gospel to unbelievers. We have the image and the sign of the incorporation in the covenant community. Which is baptism, which symbolizes the union with Jesus. We are to call people to repentance and faith. But on the other hand, God's work and purpose and the mission of the church is not confined to bringing people to faith. But it it also includes teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Are you sitting under the word today? Are you being taught today? It means that this command is being fulfilled at this very hour. Teaching them to observe all things. You see, pastors, John and Jonathan's mission among you is to shepherd you, is to feed you, is to take care of you. And they do that by teaching you the whole counsel of God. Their primary mission towards the church, towards those who are already part of the covenant community is to help them to grow in the likeness of Christ because Jesus mission is much more than just bringing the people in but is transforming everyone in the image of his only begotten son the perfect image of God finally note that the that only disciples are called to make disciples This seems pretty simple, right? But this is important. Only disciples are called to make disciples. Jesus does not call other people to make disciples. He calls His own disciples. The command is not given to unbelievers. And remember that disciple, in a very simple way, means student. A disciple of Jesus is one who sits under Jesus' teaching and learning from Him. So a true disciple is a true student. Pursuing obedience to Jesus by making disciples is a proof that we are disciples, and the contrary might also be true. A lack of enthusiasm and actually obedience to Jesus might be the proof that we are not disciples. So this should be also lead us to examine ourselves because one cannot say to be a true disciple of Jesus while not seeking to fulfill the command of the Lord and of the Master. Speaking about the kingship of Christ, just as a theory, is mocking Jesus himself in his own sacrifice for us. So only disciples are to make disciples, And the ones who fail to do this need to examine themselves. Do you remember what Dr. Medeiros said last week? Sometimes in our own Christian walk, and he was talking about scripture at that point, and I apply it here. But we should examine ourselves lest we end up like someone who sells pizza, who deals with pizza all day long smelling pizza, touching pizza, delivering pizza, but in the end, not eating pizza at all. Are we that type of Christian? We talk about Christ. We talk about His Word. We say that we believe. We say that Jesus is King. But if in the end, He is not King of our lives, and not Lord of our lives, what type of belief is that? So only disciples make disciples. And disciples make disciples. Number three. The promise. See verse 20. The second part of verse 20. And behold. I am with you always to the end of age. Note again. Note that Jesus' command. To go to all nations. Is in in some sense. Sandwiched. Between. Jesus' own own proclamation of His authority over all things. And telling them and comforting them and promising them that He will be with them always. You see the importance to look to Jesus? It's not just the command. It's the fact that Jesus has authority and that He is with them. You see, and picture Picture this in your minds because, again, the disciples, some of them were doubtful. They were trying to put the pieces together in their minds. And now, now that, we more need, that we need you more, that you are telling us to reach the nations, you are abandoning us. I am with you always to the end of age. And again, purposefully, the focus in Matthew's focus is on Jesus himself, his authority, and his presence with us. You see, again, our focus is not us, cannot be circumstances or earthly powers, but we set our eyes in Jesus and in Jesus alone. It is important to note that the gospel does not end with a command. But it ends with a promise. The promise that Jesus will be with us till the end of this age. Until he comes back. So Jesus is comforting them. That he will be with them. Because imagine all the questions. You are going, Lord you have the authority but you will no longer be with us and again the disciples were fully aware of their weaknesses of their weaknesses how is that that now jesus is sending them to all nations so jesus comforts them and encourages them they are sent in his power but also with his presence As he had promised to the prophets. Again, Matthew starts and ends the gospel in the same way. Proclaiming that the baby that was born was Emmanuel. And the King Jesus now before them is Emmanuel. And will be with them forever. And with them. And this is Jesus' encouragement to them. So, were the disciples to be optimistic about the enterprise Jesus was giving them. Why? When you look around you, and this is something that we need to ponder, when you see Christianity in the United States being put at stake, the number of members diminishing, when we wonder about the future of the church in this nation, how to react when it seems that the war is being lost, we are reminded of Jesus' promise. And I tell you, in Matthew 16, we are in the same gospel. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And this truth I need to tell you for myself. It is a great motivation for me. Is it worthwhile, sometimes I am tempted, to invest in Portugal, to go back to Europe? Humanly speaking... It's all lost. Spiritually speaking, Portugal as Europe as a whole, in human eyes, is a desolation. It seems like a place laid down to waste that it seems impossible to rebuild spiritually speaking. Why were the disciples to go and make disciples of all nations? Because they were commended? Yes. But mainly... Because the command is founded in Jesus' own authority and power. And because Jesus was going to be with them. And that was their assurance. Why is our family planning to go back to Portugal? Because Jesus has all authority and He will be with us. So our work will not be in vain. Because it will be His power working through us. Not only ourselves. Why are you to continue to preach the gospel in Monroe, Louisiana? Because you are sent in his authority, and your effort will not be in vain because it is God's own power and presence at work with you. Why are you to continue to send and invest in missionaries to preach the gospel around the world? Because they are sent in Jesus' own authority. Your money is not wasted. Because it is God's own power and the Holy Spirit, which is in each one of those missionaries. So we end with number four, which is the goal. Please note the main issue at stake in this passage, and I hope it is obvious. For you now, Jesus wants to lead them to action. It is true, He commends them, He commissions them. But known, note who is the main character of this passage. Note how Matthew crafts this passage. The disciples say no word in this episode. They go where Jesus tells them to go. They stand before Jesus. And even in the midst of doubt, they bow before Him and worship Him. Jesus is the one who takes the initiative and speaks. So this passage is about Jesus. It's about King Jesus. Because above all things, it's an affirmation and an exaltation that Jesus is the King. What is important in this passage, do not forget this ever, is that Jesus is the Lord of all things. The commission makes sense and missions are possible because Jesus is King. So Matthew's gospel starts with the announcement of the birth of Jesus, the son of Abraham, the son of David. And the gospel ends with Jesus, King Jesus Ascended to sit on his throne in being worshipped. Naturally, we tend to focus on ourselves. And without care, we may take this passage more about us, more about what we have to do than with Christ. Jesus wants us to be obedient. Jesus wants us to fulfill the commission he gave us. But he wants us to do that while we look to him and trust in him. He wants us to do that and be obedient, setting our eyes in him because he is the king. So ultimately, missions exist not because of people, but for the glory of Christ. Jesus is the foundation, the sustainer, and the ultimate goal of the Great Commission and of the church life. The Great Commission is not an end in itself. Jesus is. We are sent because King Jesus is on the throne. We go because we have His power by the Holy Spirit at work in us. He is with us. And we proclaim Him because we set our eyes on Him. And because He is our goal. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Let us pray. We are humbled, O oh Lord, that you would speak to us, and we pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, this word would take hold of our hearts, transform our lives, and grant us the grace to live more faithfully, obediently joyfully and expectantly as disciples of Jesus the King.